salvation and we feel good about that and then we leave church and maybe we go out back into the world and and we think okay well that was great for there but where is my purpose where is my meaning what am i supposed to do from here a lot of people ask that question and a lot of people have this false drive for life and they end up in depression they end up in despair some have lived without an understanding of what the commission of the lord really is in their lives what am i supposed to do because I, I'm just going back out and I'm I'm entering into the same things that I was into before, and now I have wound up depressed and in despair. So what is this commission the Lord has told me to do? How do we have that joy? How do we do the things He's asked us to do and to keep this sense of joy in our lives? Because sometimes we come out of the church, we come out of church itself, and we go back into life, and life just doesn't make sense. And so why not? Why doesn't it make sense? Some people fill their lives up with pleasures, and they find out that those pleasures are empty. They think, well, the Lord has given me this pleasure, and so I'm going to put my time and effort into it. And then they find an emptiness that comes with filling their life up with pleasure. It might take some time. 
It might take a month, it might take two months, it might take two years, but eventually you come to that place where you're like, I am empty. Mm -hmm. the, the word tells us something different about what we're supposed to be doing as we wait for Christ's return. And when we talk about Christ's return, we should celebrate that. We sit around my house and we talk about it. We say, Lord, come back today. You know, and not in a, a facetious way, but you know, you want to see the glory of God, especially when you're surrounded by so many things that have happened that make you kind of scratch your head and think, what is going on? But it, alas, he's told us this is how it's going to be in the last day. But as we wait for Christ's return, we can live a life that's not full of boredom, it's not full of aimlessness, and it's not full of hopelessness, but it's a life that we're living unto the Lord that's a life of anticipation, it's a life of hope, and it's a life of purpose. Some people would say, that's just a pipe dream. There's no way I can have that in my life. The problem is we don't want to follow the prescription that's given in the Word of God, but we can't have those things in our life. We can have meaning, we can have anticipation we can have hope we can have joy waiting for the lord's return but three things we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to watch work and walk and so i want to talk about those things and i've alluded to them a few times in other sermons but let's get into more of what he means when he says watch because he's telling us to watch for a specific event but we're on this earth and we live on this earth and we dwell on this earth, we work on this earth, we work for ourselves, we have our families, we have our friends. But there's something that always is eluding us. And am I the only one? It seems like you have all these things and you try to fulfill your life with all these things and you try to have relationships and you try to have uh, uh, meaning in, in your, your tasks that you do and a job that you have and you think, well, if I can just get back to my crafts, then I'm going to be fulfilled. And then you lay that down for a little bit and you and you, you go on and do this other thing, and you think, well, this just isn't perfect. And if I could just get back to the hobby that I love, then I'm going to be fulfilled. And you get back to that hobby, and you think, I'm just not as good as I thought I was. And so you put that hobby down, and you go to something else, and then you're thinking, well, if I would just go in, and, and if I would just enter into a group and, and sit around with uh, other men or other women, that would fulfill me. And so you go and you do this group, and you do it for two weeks, and you're like, not it, and then you get done with that, and you go, well, if I could just do something, and we're always doing something else, okay? Mm -hmm. We're always thinking, if I could just, then it would be okay. And pretty soon, we run out of just. We run out of, well, maybe if. And we need to understand that we have everything that we need in Christ, but we're not following it. We need to watch with anticipation. We need to watch in truth, knowing that, wait a minute, I have this yearning for a reason. There's only one thing that's going to fill the yearning. And it's not going to be fully realized until Christ comes back. So we, we need to understand that. And we need to understand that and not go fill it with other things that, that waste our time or waste our energy. But we need to understand that we have a deep yearning within us that's natural for all of creation. Everyone shares in the yearning. A lot of people think, well, I'm just weird. And I seem like I'm all alone. And this one yearning I have for this special purpose in life, and maybe I'm supposed to be a star. Maybe not. <laughs> you know, but the, you're not alone. Every single person has the yearning inside of them. So don't let the enemy isolate you. Don't let him make you think that you're strange and that you're missing out on something. Go find it. Go find it because you have a yearning when you got to fill it. 
Romans 8, 22 and 23, it says this. It says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And what he means is until now it stopped. He's saying at his point in time, until now, and it kept going after Paul died as well. And he says, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So what he's saying is all creation, even unredeemed creation, groans. And especially us as Christians groan because we're waiting on something. We, we, we're waiting on the consummation of what's happened in our spirits to happen in our bodies completely. We're waiting on the adoption where we are fully redeemed. Our spirits are redeemed now if we're saved, if we believe in Christ, if we have accepted Christ. But we haven't received that second part of the adoption. So in the meantime, we're groaning for that adoption. So don't mistake the groaning inside of you for something else. Everything groans. It's the redeemed person that can get an understanding for what they're groaning for. We're groaning because we're waiting in anticipation of the day that we realize the consummation of our adoption of children of God. We've been guaranteed that if we're saved and have adoption, but we groan for the realization of it. So our groaning is in our waiting, and we watch for the one who's assured our adoption, the one who's secured our adoption. So when you look up, when you feel that sense of something wrong, you need to look up. You need to start professing Christ. You need to start reading about who Christ is, about the time when that comes. Get excited about your redemption drawing nigh. Get excited about the fact that Christ is coming back. My dad used to say, oh, man, they said that. My dad never didn't believe when I was growing up. And I, I, I became saved at 12, and I'd talk about Jesus Christ, and he'd go, oh, my word. He's like, they've said that for years, and it ain't never happened. And, you know, he was right, but he's wrong. Because they have waited for years. But, it's, it's, but the older I've got, the more I've realized that the years aren't so long anymore. That every time you get every age, every year you get older, Time shortens, and you're like, man, it is soon, it is very soon, and you realize more and more that nature groans for the coming of the Lord. So we wait in anticipation. We can't wait. We're excited. Get excited about Jesus Christ coming back. Get excited about Jesus Christ in your life, that you've got the peace, and you're waiting on the second peace that consummates that complete, redeemed person that you are going to be when Christ comes back. Get excited. And, and then Paul says even something, even, and Peter says this as well. He says, watch for it. But then he says, be sober. Be sober. And I didn't smell the alcohol in there this morning. Thank God. But he's saying, be sober. And the way he says be sober, it's not in a way that says be drunk on wine. But he's saying, be sober. Be, have a realization of what's going on in the world. Don't get Don't get colluded. Don't get uh, uh, foggy in your sight. Don't get so whacked out from watching TV every day that you're kind of mind-controlled and you're like, everything's great, everything's great. Because the Lord says, be sober as to what's going on. Be sober as to what's coming. Don't be confused as the rest of the world is confused. Know that everything is in line with the Lord and the way he has laid it out, the way he wants it. So get excited about Christ coming back. But also be realistic about the time that we live in. He's saying be sober, meaning be awake. Be awake and fully knowing what's coming. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6, I got a lot of scripture. I'm just going to pick out some of them. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6, it says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, 
Ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, praise God, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. As do others, let us be, let us watch and be sober. So, in other words, don't be lulled back into the rhythm of the world, but be vigilant, knowing that wait a minute, I serve a new drummer. I don't serve the old one. I don't serve the pipe piper. I serve Jesus Christ, and He has woken uh, woken me up. And now I'm not going to go back to sleep as the world does, but I'm going to understand that the time is coming very soon. Matthew 24, and I'm just going to read one section of it. It's in verse 44. It says, therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. So he's saying, it's at a time where we're not even going to be thinking that this is the time the Lord's going to come. In Luke 21, 34 through 36, it says the same thing. It says, watch ye therefore, and pray always. And in 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8, I'm just reiterating what he's told us. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. Be sober. Be sober. So we are to watch. And I want to reiterate, when we watch, we're to be expected and to be excited about that. The second thing is, we're supposed to work. We're supposed to work. And specifically, we're supposed to work for the Lord, doing those things he's asked us to do. And, and this portion of Scripture is interesting because he's asking for something specific. And many, many people get this Scripture uh, mixed up as to what the meaning is, but it says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods, and unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, but every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then that, then that had received the five talents, went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had five, received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. So he has multiplied something. And a lot of people think that he multiplied actual money here. Some people think that he, he multiplied actual spiritual gifts, that the talents were his giftings. Some people think it was the gospel. But none of those things really go in line with what it really is because it's much more simple than that. I think sometimes we complicate it. But what he is talking about is the talents that he has given you is the responsibility he's given you. It's the responsibility. A lot of people think, well, Lord, if I can just get talents, you know, I, I, don't, I don't seem to have any right now, but if you would give me some talents, Lord, then I would do it. You know, and we always put that weight upon the Lord. Like, Lord, if you do that part, you give me your talents, you know, then I'll, I'll do something with it. But the thing is, he's not talking about something you don't have. He's talking about something he's already given to you. Mm -hmm. And the thing that he's given to you is responsibility in the Lord. He's given you responsibility. The question is, what have we done with the responsibility? Have we honored him with the responsibility he's given to us? Are we fulfilling 
the responsibility and how well are we fulfilling it? Because the fulfillment that we're going to have comes out of the responsibility he's given. I used to think, and maybe you did too, but I used to think, Lord, if you just give me this. Father, if you just, you know, and I have this picture in my mind, it's a dream, Lord, and if you just give me my dream, Father, then I'll, I'll do so much for you. I'll, I'll, I'll make you proud, Lord. I'll be able to give you those extra talents when I, when I meet you in the sky by and by. And, and we always think it's out here. But what the Lord is saying is, I've already given you what I want you to do. It's not out there. It's not in some hidden place. It's not with some other person. It's not with other, some other group. I've given you responsibility. Start doing and being responsible for what I'm doing. And then what he does when we're responsible for what he's given, he multiplies the responsibility. And then it grows. And it might lead into something else after we've been faithful with the small thing. But then he, he talks to the servant and he says this after the talents have been given back to the Lord, after the, the servant with the five comes and he says, here's five more. In Matthew 25, 21, he says, I will make thee a ruler over many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. So he's saying you've been worthy, you've been responsible with the responsibilities I've given to you. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. So the reward was in relation to how the servant attended to his responsibility. So are we taking responsibility for what we have, for what's in front of us? Are we not shirking them saying, Lord, this isn't really that great of a thing? Or this is this is boring what my life. This is not what you've asked me to do. Or are we taking our lives and saying, Lord, I'm going to make my life that you've given to me the best I can based on my abilities, because they're right in front of me. How well did I take care of what you've given me? It might be your children, it might be your husband or your wife, it might be the people that are immediately around you, it might be in the church, it might be, who knows, but it's all around you. How well are we working unto the Lord with those things that are all around us? Are we honoring him with the work that he's given to us in Matthew 24, 45, and 46? It says, who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. So we're to do those things that are immediately around us. There's one more thing that he alludes to in another verse, and that is that we are supposed to be ministering to those in need. And when I say in need, I mean in need of the gospel, in need physically, in need spiritually. And so the Lord has a special. Um, uh, blessing for those that do that work for him. So that's included in the responsibilities that are immediately around us. So in Matthew 25, 31 through 36, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. So he, he's listing specific things that were to do. To feed the hungry. To give drink to the thirsty. To clothe uh, the naked, to take the stranger in, to, to 
to heal the sick, to visit the sick, to visit those in prison. So he's given us specific tasks beyond those immediate responsibilities that we're supposed to have. We are to do that work for the Lord as we wait for the Lord. The third thing, and the final thing, is where to walk. It would not be worth it to watch and to work if we didn't walk with the Lord. But the truth is, people come to Christianity, and we've talked about this recently, and and in Bible studies, and, and as we're studying the Word together, uh, especially with my, my wife and the kids, but we can't do this life. You can't. And so many times we approach Christianity, and we approach this life in the Lord, and, and we try, don't we? We try. And we fail, and then we try again, and then we get frustrated because we can't seem to do it. And then before you know it, we're ready to give up, give out. Whatever it may be, but we need to come to the realization that we can't do this life. And when we try to put on that we can do this life, all we have is false religion. All we have is a, a veneer of religion over us. But when we come to the realization and the confession that we can't do it, then we live in a different atmosphere. We live in a different knowledge of the fact that we're not in religion. We are in a relationship only. Because only through a relationship with Christ can you maintain any type of religiosity or righteousness about you. You can't do it. And we have to admit that. So we need to walk with the Lord every minute of every day. It brings us to a humble place. We have to be connected with him. And so when we're connected with him, watching is a joy and working is fulfillment. When we walk with the Lord truly, Watching is a joy, and working is fulfillment because we're working unto the Lord, and we're watching for the one who is only our righteousness. We have no righteousness apart from him. We're not putting on a false righteousness. So our watching and working changes. It takes a whole new direction. But when that connection to, to Jesus Christ becomes faint, when it seems like there's something wrong with the relationship, then it has to be an indicator to us that something's not right in our lives, and we need to get it right. We need to figure out what it is and come back and repent and say, Lord, I'm returning to you. Father, forgive me. I, I, I misstepped. I went the wrong way, and Lord, I'm back on track. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. We have to do that to stay on that straight and narrow way with him. And that's, that's what we're to do as Christians. We repent, we return. We repent, we return, but we stay on the walk. And we realize that the best thing that we have is that connection with him. Because he is our righteousness. There is nothing in us that's good. Nothing. Not one thing. But he is our righteousness. So we stay connected to him. And we then through our connection with him, then we have confidence in him. People say, how do you get confident? Because I'm just not confident. I can't speak. I can't do the things in front of people that I used to do or should be doing. I don't have confidence. It's the, the truth is you don't have confidence and you won't have confidence because your confidence has to come from your relationship in Christ. So if you don't have confidence, ask yourself, am I truly connected with Christ? Do I have his boldness? Am I confident in my relationship with him? Because once you're confident in that relationship, you can do anything because it's not you doing it. It's Christ in you. First John 2.28 it says, and now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence. We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. 
2 Peter 3, 11 and 12, it says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, talking about everything they saw at the time and everything we see at the time, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the hasting unto the coming of the day of God, unto the coming of the day of God. So we, we wait in anticipation. We watch in anticipation. We work as if we work unto the Lord. We walk with the Lord, realizing that he's everything that we have. He is our strength. And that our fulfillment on this earth is to do those three things. If you want to be fulfilled, if you want to get over that feeling that you have that something's missing, watch for the Lord. Celebrate him. Praise him. Worship him. Work as you're working as unto the Lord. Fulfill every responsibility that you have as unto the Lord. And the last thing is walk with him every day. And when that connection feels like it's severed, come back to him and say, Lord, I must have veered off somewhere. There's, a, there's an old headline in the newspaper my, my pastor prayed years ago. It was a Melbourne American. And it said, if God feels far away, guess who moved? And sometimes we've got to come to that realization that if we feel far away, it's not him, but maybe it's us. And we need to get reconnected. Please stand with me. Just pray with me this morning. It's a really simple message, but uh, it's it's one that's uh, that we need. It's one that we need to maintain, and we need to get excited about who Christ is. We need to get excited because when we get excited, then that excitement's going to spread. It's going to spread like wildfire. We no longer have to be depressed. We don't sing swing long. We chariots, the Lord's going to come back one day. We need to get excited for the fact that we have Christ now. That we can look up in anticipation, knowing, Lord, you are coming back. Father, the world may be wasting away, but Lord, you told me it was going to happen. Father, I can get excited. Lord, I can enter into worship. I can lift up your name. Lord, I can be full of joy. I encourage you, if you're not excited, to get excited, to make yourself. Speak to your soul like David did in the song. Command yourself, I will praise you, Lord. And get excited about him coming back. Work for him. Everything around you has been given by him. So look at it as if it's a gift that he's given to you. And start to work. Everything you do unto the Lord. Watch the grumbling. Watch the complaining. Watch the negative thoughts and the negative speech. And start approaching everything that you have. As if the Lord was right next to you and assigned it to you. And said, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to take time out of your schedule. I want you to sacrifice yourself. And I want you to do this responsibility I've given to you. One day you're going to stand right in front of him. And the first thing you want to hear out of your mouth is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the last thing is, Just walk with him. Walk with him. Know that your walk needs to be maintained. That if you feel close to him one day and not the other, that maybe something needs to be addressed. 
And the Lord is so gentle that he just waits. He doesn't throw a lightning bolt at you. He isn't angry. But he just waits because he's waiting on the relationship with you to be restored. Because he wants to take you by the hand and he wants to help you navigate every area, every hard place, every path that seems like it, it veers off into nowhere. But he's taking you one step at a time. So if you feel like something's been disconnected, come back to him and say, Lord, I repent. I've gone off the path. Lead me back. Restore me, Lord. I need your help every day. Let your life be a jewel. Father, we give you praise. We love you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, lead us. Help us to grow individually and as a church. Father, expand us. Lord, we have such great things that you have ahead of us, Lord, because we're trying to be responsible for what you've given to us as a church. But Father, help us to do it together, to be united. Lord, anything that's trying to break up the unity of this church, Lord, I bind it up and I cast it out. And I lose a protection on this church. Father, we go forward in your mission. And we just praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.